Guys, hello and welcome back to the Do The Work podcast. In today's episode, which is number seven, I was joined by fellow PT and friend Nathan Jeffries, where we talked about bodybuilding, weight loss, the similarities between the two and also the differences. There was that much content, we had to break it into a two-part episode. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Here's part one. Okay, guys, welcome back and welcome to the episode seven. Um, Today, I've got another guest with me, um, namely Nathan Jeffries. Um, if you're watching the video, he's just waved. If you listen to the podcast, he's just waved and you didn't see him. Um, today's episode, we're gonna, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm quite excited for it, to be fair. Um, we're going to be talking about bodybuilding and how it has potentially sort of principles or similarities to kind of what's required to achieve weight loss. But we're also going to get into detail about potentially kind of the long-term negatives of being in the bodybuilding sort of background and circle and stuff. Um, this isn't something I've got kind of loads of experience with, which is why we've got Nathan on. Um, so without further ado, I will let Nathan introduce himself, just tell us a little bit about kind of where he's been um, and what he's up to today. Well, hi guys. I guess, well, where it all began for me was, um, I think as a young kid, really, I think, I think how every bodybuilder starts out. You see uh, pictures of Arnie and Dorian and you know Jay Cutler and stuff like that, the big, the big uh, Olympia pros, and you think, oh, I man, looking like that. To be honest, um, you know, I've always been in a performance-based uh, sport prior to that, so playing rugby. Um, so when for myself, I came to the, the conclusion of my sort of um, game days for rugby it was a natural progression something else to focus on um, and for me obviously always having a competitive background jumping into it as a competitive sport was um, was a no-brainer I didn't want to just do it for Instagram likes or whatever um, it was always going to be as a sport so yeah that's where where the bodybuilding came around for me um, with regard to obviously um, myself as a coach um, I'm full-time gym manager for Pure Gym same as Dale is qualified strength and conditioning coach and I work alongside sort of anything between boxing Ironman triathletes sprinters and physique and bodybuilding competitors so um, I've got a broad spectrum strength and conditioning base and then I also work alongside Gen Pop as well um, for lifestyle nutrition and performance um, so generalized fat loss um, improving lifestyle injury rehabilitation stuff like that so that's kind of me in a nutshell Wicked thanks very much and I think obviously the bits that we've homed in on there um is the bodybuilding and the weight loss. And I want to kind of sync them up, not sync them up as such, but I want to know a little bit more about kind of your background and how you think that can obviously help people with weight loss. Um, one of the things I want to get across today as well is, or for you to get across, a lot of people look at those Instagram photos and things like that and Facebook profile pictures and stuff. And they think that's what I want. And they don't fully understand A, what it takes to, to get there and B, what happens after and how that can affect you after. So we're going to get into that 
um, further down the line. I was going to ask you about your bodybuilding background, and I'm going to go back to that now. So can you give us a little bit about kind of your, just to set the kind of um, standard for the listener and the understanding of where you've been, the success that so, you've had bodybuilding? My first show, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, a long time ago. Um, national qualifier for the British finals, um, didn't place, came fourth um, in my first show. And then from the, it was always about a national or a British qualifier. So um, I always competed with UKBFF and there's loads of federations out there for anybody that's listening saying, oh, UKBFF, you know, there's NABA, there's, you know, loads of new federations now. I, the past couple of guys that I've prepped have been for NABA. So I'm not a one, you know, one federation kind of guy. It's each have got their own benefits and each have got their own sort of uh, drawbacks but yeah for me it was um first show was a feeler show then always looking for that british qualification um in the under 80s category and then my last show i actually couldn't make the under 80s i was uh 83 kilos but 82.4 um so i was in the under 90s uh so yeah I've been on stage with some big dudes and um, just yeah. to jump in there Nave, as well that's kind of like for a lot of people especially listening who maybe sort of females that are overweight and maybe weigh 80, 90 kilos and stuff that just that snapshot there you weighing less than 80 kilos and looking like you do is a real insight into what it takes to get to that point right? Yeah I mean Bodybuilding is all about illusion and it's about creating balance and different structure. So for a good bodybuilder, you want to have big, broad cap shoulders, you know, big traps, narrow waist, and then big, thick, you know, quads, hamstrings, good depth from the side, still with a narrow waist. Um, so yeah, being under 80 kilos or 79.9, whatever, and looking that big is an illusion. It's just how lean you are. That's all it is. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the pros now are, are up at like two thirty, two forty pounds on stage. You know, going off season at like three hundred pounds. It's 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 the ridiculous. But that's the life, career, everything. Um, in the amateur game, you'll get guys up at like. The open category that are going on stage at 105 kilos or 110 and you know they're the really tall guys but it's sort of that 90 kilo category where the guys are like 5'5 five five and the 90 kilos and they look absolutely insane because they're short and they're that densely packed with muscle so yeah physique and bodybuilding is all sort of illusion and how you can add lean tissue to sort of create that balance and again a bigger illusion of narrow waist bigger shoulders bigger quads yeah and there's obviously a big skill and that's why it's a it's a sport and people make so much money off it in terms of coaching mm. because it's it's an absolute skill to get like that um what i want to know um and i think what the listeners may be interested to hear is like why do people do it why do people put themselves through it um and what did you personally get out of doing it 
for me, it was always like I thought playing rugby throughout my younger years was never about how you looked. It was always about performance. Um, weight management at higher level. I played in the pack, so I was second row prop or loose forward, sometimes dropping into centre. Um, however, that was never that was always performance based. So sprint speed, agility, um, power. It was never about body composition and you know how lean you were. I actually, being slightly shorter, only 5'9", had to maintain weight and power to play in the pack because that's where I was best utilised. Um, when I then stopped playing on that and I moved to the bodybuilding and I, thought, and I wanted to give it a crack, for me it was, right, I've never been able to focus on that physique aspect. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to throw myself into it. And it was more, instead of being, I want to do it so everybody looks at me and goes, oh, he, he looks great. A lot of bodybuilders, and me included, your first couple of shows, you're like, right, I'm going to do this for me. And it'll probably stem from being, you know, most guys, it'll be being chubby as a kid, never having abs, you know, they've always looked up to um, superhero idols or something like that. It's the same for women as well. Women that compete, they do exactly the same. Um, so yeah, they get into it, and I got into it to test myself and see. Right, I'm I'm going to go for it. If I didn't do it competitively, I probably wouldn't have got to where I where I got to. Um, yeah, and that's just to jump in. That's a good point, isn't it? Because by doing it, you're creating that accountability to achieve something, which is. Yeah. What you got from your rugby that you maybe lose when you stop playing rugby. And I think that's where you get the top 1% of achievers is because they're going after that one thing. And, and yes, yeah, there's a desired goal and, you know, there's, there's an end target and nobody wants to step up on stage and, and not look 100% right. Um, but again, there are guys that do it day in, day out year you know year round stay lean because they've got a sponsorship or they've got you know a contract to say that they have to for modeling or something like that i couldn't do that i physically couldn't because not at a bodybuilding level not when you're getting down to that sort of really gone horrible gritty sort of level because it's not pleasant um yeah, for me, show, rebound, go again. Um, and yep. that'll be the easiest way for most people to do it, to be honest. Cool. All right. So I want to now sort of transfer some of that over into kind of whether you use some of the same sort of traits and principles. You mentioned, obviously, you do S&C and stuff, but I want to get into weight loss. So I know that you train a few people for weight loss. Now, obviously, now you put a lot of your S&C approach toward those weight loss clients, but... Is there anything that you still use from your bodybuilding background that you would say is a good tool to use with weight loss clients? Yeah, 100%. I mean, not necessarily, um, what, would you, what would you say? Not, not necessarily the intensity of, you know, and strictness of, of, of a prep phase. 
but I would say more um, of a back of house approach. I would say you've got a very calculated approach for um, a bodybuilding prep. They're always prep with the meals. They never leave themselves in um, a position where they can, you know, not get that meal. Meal prep bag, you know, how many times have I walked into work with that meal prep bag stacked full and I'm probably not even eating some of the meals because I've had that there just in case. Yeah, um, and that's the bit I want to get to. Like, that's ingrained in you. So yeah. that's probably an unlikely thing to say you can get someone who's a gen pop weight loss client to do every day. It's unlikely they're going to come in with no. a bag full of prep no, stuff. No. What, what other things would you say with, is, is a sort of like training principles that could be used? Obviously, we, we bang on all the time about resistance training. So are there any elements to that that would help someone wanting to lose weight? Yeah, focusing on, obviously, bodybuilding is all around, you know, sculpture and structure. And the basis of any good physique is built around big compound movements. Now, I utilize big compound movements with every single client. Um, big push, big pull, you know, um, and big leg exercises like squat, bench press, you know, pull-ups or lat pull-down, something like that, deadlifts. The big bread and butter movement should, should make up a proportion of everybody's training program. Because when you're in the gym, you shouldn't be training for fat loss. That's not what you're training for. You're training to improve performance. Because improving performance is going to increase calorie burn. So you're constantly looking at progressive overload. I think you made a video the other day about... Um, well, well focusing on burning calories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it, it becomes easier. But you're getting a little deeper into that. You, you constantly need to look for progressive overload to improve muscle tone, improve metabolic rate, you know, increase uh, the amount of muscle spindles that are activating throughout training. There's, you could go on and on with why performance related goals in the gym should override that and need to lose weight. Do you know what I mean? It's less about fat loss in the gym and more about improving performance and it, that's the way it should always be and that's where a lot of people that think oh i need to lose weight i'm gonna go and walk on a treadmill for an hour i've not wasted an hour because they've burnt calories you know low intensity steady state stuff that you do with when you're on prep um it's stuff that will increase neat so not necessarily exercise activity so we, we we've spoke about you know, going out for daily walks, daily activity tasks yeah. to increase non-exercise energy. When you're in the gym, you've got an hour, 45 minutes to activate as much muscle, burn as many calories and improve performance. And that's where I think the disconnect between sort of fat loss and weight training comes in. Yeah, so when, when the target is to burn calories, that's like you say, where that disconnect comes. And I think... The biggest thing I took home from, not the biggest thing, but one of the things I took home from what you were saying then is obviously we want to go to the gym and activate as much muscle as, as we can. Um, mm. The gym pop person physically doesn't know how to do that. So what I mean by that is they go and jump on 
a chest press and they just really nearly do the movement yeah. without thinking about contracting and engaging that muscle and that basically is the principle of bodybuilding training right so basically yeah, yeah. working to an intensity that will you know progress hypertrophy increase that overload but not overtrain as well because you need to be able to go back and hit that muscle maybe the same week you know and it's about creating good balance as well so being able to train at high level for a prolonged period of time and i think that's where a lot of people that go in to, to gyms they don't have that understanding but then think well i'm not paying for a pt which could educate them and they haven't done the education themselves uh they've not gone away and learned anything just thought oh well i'll go and do cardio cardio is for fat loss and i think, I think that's just just to jump in as well, with regards to uh, obviously learning stuff, like we know now if we go and do a bodyweight movement or, you know, whatever it is, if we just think about it's that sort of mind-muscle connection, which again, I reiterate, probably bodybuilders are best at using over strength athletes and powerlifters and stuff. If we just go and do a press-up and whack out a load of reps, we think we've done something. Whereas if we do it properly by physically thinking about those muscles and engaging them properly, which, as I say, from the bodybuilding scenes, very prevalent. We're going to get a much better workout, and I think that's probably the the biggest thing that gen pop fat loss people could take from bodybuilding. Would you say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, don't be mindless with your training. I mean, every bodybuilding workout is planned to the T. My prep clients have got a general preparation phase. You know, they've got. A specific preparation phase uh, sorry specific training phase and they've also got a transition phase so that links back to training and conditioning but they've got different phases that work together now without getting too deep the preparation phase is more compound building load um, and building intensity so building weight around bread and butter so it might be um, a daily undulating periodization where we're doing big compound movements a little bit more like strength then into the specific training phase we've got more your typical hypertrophy looking at utilizing the strength that we've built to now start looking at increasing muscle density and mass then into the transition phase post technically we'd have two two specific training phases which we, we might cover later on i'm not too sure you've got sort of a, a peak week phase which is very uh, specific to wherever that client is or wherever that um, athlete is at the time and then your transition phase is how you reverse diet out of um, the show so getting yourself ready to go back into a, a, a general training phase so with that in mind everything's planned everything's structured whether it looks it or not, whether they're grunting in the gym, doing loads and loads of drop sets uh, to try and increase overload, volume, you know, cell volumization. You know, we're looking at hyperplasia as well, as well as hypertrophy at the same time. So we're trying to adapt and grow from both angles. It may look mindless in the gym to somebody that's uneducated in it, but it's not. With regard to how that can transfer into a general um, sort of fat loss client, if you follow in a structured training program, like we've said before, 
you know that the week after, if you're using um, a logbook, if you know you've got to hit a 1% increase the week after, that's progressive overload. If you have to run yeah. for three minutes extra the week after your, your, your long run, that's progressive overload and that's increasing that performance goal. So small chunks week in, week out, 1% gain or um, you know a couple of minutes on a, on a long run if, you're, if you prefer running or whatever, all add up to that progressive intensity, progressive yeah. overload. Which is where most people fall down, right? They just don't change the training. They just come and do oh, the yeah. I'm going to do three sets of 20 because Doreen at um, Leisure Plus or whatever, you know, I got this I got this training program from, you know, the Leisure Centre three years ago and I've just continued to do it, but I've changed gyms. Yeah. It's, yeah. What are you doing? It happens all the time. We see it quite a lot because we've got high volume business um, at, at Pure Gym. It's, it's ridiculous the amount of people that don't take advantage of an induction you know, a free PT session to try and educate themselves and give them the best start, you know. Yeah, to learn, it's a skill, isn't it? It's a, it, yeah. it's a skill acquisition at the end of the day. You can't just go on and kind of hope it's going to work. And that's the bits that I wanted to kind of get to today. And I think you've hit the nail on the head with regards to creating kind of structure in, in your workouts and progressive overload. It's something I talk about a lot, but this, this, the principles in the training element are the same. You should have structure. It should get harder over time. So then, as we've already said, focus on performance in the gym, whether that be to complete something in a better time or to build muscle or to lift more weight, whatever it is, it needs to be measurable and managed. Yeah, of course. You've got to measure it if you're going yeah, if you if you're going too far as well, if you if you're overreaching and which will then lead to, you know, if you're consistently overreaching with your training, which leads to overtraining which leads to a, sh- a short-term lack of being able to train through injury or, you know, chronic fatigue, you're, you're only impeding yourself. So if you're going from doing, oh, I can run for 10 minutes and then you run for an hour the next week, but you've developed shin splints, you've got ankle swelling, blisters, and you can't run for another three weeks. What's the point in doing that? You know, you've, everything's measurable and it's, yeah, the goals are measurable as well, and the progress is measurable, which need, which is like we say something that needs to be implemented in, in in gen pop. And that's easier to do with weight training, right, than cardio. Well, no, because it's only minutes, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's minutes and kilos. In terms of getting to a point, to think from my perspective at the minute is, say someone does cardio and they do it over and over again, so they go and do the cross training for half an hour and then go back and do half an hour and go back and do half an hour. As you will know, in the bodybuilding environment, way more than I do, the half an hour becomes an hour, an hour and a half, doesn't it? It has to go up oh, yeah. to continue to get that that same result of the calories being burnt, if you will, and getting smaller. So the point I'm getting at is there has to come a point where that cardio doesn't become for the gen pop person about burning calories anymore. And if we look to weight training, there's a hell of a lot more variables that we can manipulate. Yeah, of course. Of course. The amount of you're only ever going to activate a certain amount of fiber either walking on a treadmill, walking on a stairmaster, probably one of the better ones, walking on a stairmaster, cross trainer, or bike. You're only ever going to activate a certain amount of fibers if you've got a big compound weight based training session. So you've got three days split, so a bit more approachable for, for a general person. A leg day, 
a push day and a pull day. Now that's three weight sessions. You could tag on a little bit of cardio on the end of those 10, 15 minutes of bliss or hit training, which again will promote a better anabolic response. Yeah. Good. So I think there's some good kind of actionable things for the listeners there to actually think, well, actually, yeah, the principles are still applicable to kind of what I'm doing. You know, that's, that's what we're to get across today and try and not link them together, but get people to understand that actually what, what they do is a little bit closer to. Yeah. Well, you've only got, sorry, I'll just jump in there. You've only got to look at um, two different types of physiques. You think of Paul Radcliffe and you think of, you know, which were a sprint athlete. So you look at, you know, Dean Rashid-Smith. One does long, low intensity cardio, Paul Radcliffe. The other does high intensity sprint work, has to work on power-based movement, which, you know, will be in the gym, which will be lifting weights over and above the rate of force production that she'll do on the track. When you, you, you put those two together, and asked the general population to decide what would you rather look like then more often than not they pick somebody that's got improved muscle tone um you know less muscle wastage from long steady state cardio you know plumper fuller muscles because it's more desirable now she hasn't got that through pounding away on the on the pavement or the treadmill or she's got that through lifting weights and yeah. the, the, that's the misconception it's not like she just sprints that's all she ever does she just sprints no she's in the gym she, yeah, she absolutely and I, it's yeah. a great point because nine times out of ten people want to look like that right they don't want to look like as you say Mo Farah or Paula Ratcliffe no offense to them but that's not necessarily the desirable body shape they look like that because performance wise to carry the least amount of weight and the least amount of muscle is best for their <laughs> event um, the other thing that kind of hit home a little bit and I want you to expand on it is um, muscle wastage from doing lots of cardio. So can you give the guys a little bit more on that? So it's not basically you've got, it, it depends. It depends how deep you want me to go with this. Uh, we could be here all day. Just, an, just an outline that they would understand yeah. as to, to, you know, why that happens. You've got trainable fibers within the body, trainable muscle fibers within the body. You've got, Three different types, but we'll go with the trainable. So those trainable fibers are the ones that you can adapt and uh, and have a, a tend to have a genetic predisposition with what type of fibers, either slow twitch or fast twitch. If you continually do slow twitch fiber, slow twitch fiber movements, long, slow, steady intensity, they will adapt to that movement if they aren't getting if, if they're not put under excessive stress they've not got a stress response so you become efficient at doing 10k marathon whatever you become efficient at that movement and all you're thinking about then is time with weight-based training you're progressively lifting heavier weight. Therefore, that muscle fiber has to respond, grow, and adapt to that increased stress. So that stress response is to get bigger or to improve muscle tone. Um, 
whereas with long steady uh, list trading you've got less of a response because again coming back to your video the other day you become more efficient at that movement so less fibers get activated so the fiber responds totally differently and it doesn't grow because you aren't increasing force production you're looking at force longevity so it is it comes it comes down to two different types of training and how that response yeah. from weight to this obviously the response is totally different so it looks like muscle wastage however it's just the way that that fiber activates is totally different and the response is different yeah and what i guess what it's used for which is where genetics come into play in terms of people being yeah. better suited to a longer distance or a shorter distance um but also you've obviously got the impact of people's nutrition as well and potentially not recovering properly through adequate nutrition and protein and stuff which will also not be beneficial towards someone who's predominantly on cardio on 1200 calories hoping to grow a bum or whatever is it yeah exactly unless you've got fantastic running technique which a lot of people don't you're not going to activate glutes uh, and that's where a lot of people get lower back pain when when running um but yeah nutrition when you start talking about nutrition and and, and steady state long steady state cardio and marathon runners and and stuff like that you start coming into less protein dominance and more carbohydrate balance and sort of energy release times and so on and so forth so with you're looking at more energy endurance rather than right okay i need to replenish glycogen rather quickly and increase protein synthesis with more of a physique based goal so yeah nutrition play well it's 80 percent, isn't it we always say it's 80 percent, but um i think more with with bodybuilding it, it, i'd say it's even higher because if you you can train as hard as you want in the gym but again if you're fueling and uh, fueling wrong you're not taking in enough protein to induce protein th synthesis you're not you, you you're kind of fighting with one arm behind your back yeah and i think that's the big one for probably people listening is just protein intake we bang on about it as pts um, and it's normally well underneath sort of calories it's the next important thing to look at um, and i think there's still people who are a little bit potentially wary or just not fully understanding of you know how much they should have and again i don't know what you, you set recommendations out with your clients and stuff but you're probably normally looking somewhere between 1.5 and 2 2.2 grams a kilo of probably lean body weight um yeah I don't know from your, your account, but you get people to track and maybe they're having 50, 60 grams a day. And unless that person weighs 30 kilo, that's not going to be a sufficient amount, is it? Yeah, of course not. And that's where, you know, Western diets these days tend to be a lot higher in carbs than anything else. You've only got to walk into, you know, the shops these days. There's a small butch counter. You know, you've got your fridge for cooked meats you know and then what's the rest the rest you've got small small veg section and the rest pasta you know you basically got all the middle and then kind of all the ends are all your offers and everything yeah offers and then you've got, 
Yeah, chocolate, cakes, cookies, biscuits, bread, you know. And that that's, again, probably not going to get into this today, but that's also just what we're kind of led to believe that we should have in terms of from the supermarkets and then wider than that from obviously government recommendations and stuff. Everyone thinks, well, you know, I should have that because it's normal. I should have bread with every meal or I mean, I have to have a sandwich or I have to have it made up of that. And that's, it will take, it may never change, but obviously there's more and more research and evidence coming out to support the fact that actually, I don't like saying a higher protein diet because really it should say an adequate protein diet is what you need. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that stigmatizes protein when people, when like, oh, you know, all the coaches say, oh, you need a high protein diet or you need an adequate protein intake. And I, I 100% agree with that because if I said to, you know, just an average training female, you need a high protein diet, they're going to go, well, you know, I, I eat meat, <laughs> you know, yeah. what I have a high? Rest at night. I, I, you know, how much is that? Um, yeah, yeah, what is high? People are, like you say, misconceived about actually how much they need and the fact that they probably should have protein with every meal, but they're so set on the fact that they should have cereal in the morning that they can't get their head around the fact that they can have protein in that meal by doing X, Y, and Z and making a few changes. So, yeah, I think we're probably going off on a tangent a little bit here. So what I'm going to do um, is we've gone through probably about half of the stuff I wanted to ask you. We're going to take yeah. a little break here. Um We'll do a part two. So in the next episode, we'll talk about the rest of the questions. Um, we've also got a myth to bust there. So guys, thank you for tuning in to the first part and to episode seven. We'll be back um, with part two very soon. So thank you. We'll be back. Peace out. Ciao. Wow, guys, some fantastic content there. And we are only halfway through. A big thank you for Nathan for dedicating the time. Um, and also to get into the detail about his bodybuilding background and his experiences. As I say, we're only halfway through. We've got another episode to come, so make sure you tune into episode eight. But before you do, don't forget, you can leave us a five-star review via Apple Podcasts, and that will help us continue to reach more people. If you need a little bit of extra help with your weight loss, don't forget to check out dalewallacept.com. There's lots of blogs on there that might help you with your struggles. Guys, thank you again for tuning in. Take care. Peace out.